Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pushing the Envelope, where all manner of fringe topics are covered from a purely biblical perspective. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. We are your host, Joe Musidla, Aaron, and Matthew Miller. It is uh, very good to be with you today. This is, uh, well, shooting from the hip, shall we say. Um, we just had the time to ride, so I shot a text to Joe, and here we go in a full-blown stampede. We're going to talk about some, uh, well off-the-table topics as far as Christianity is concerned. So we're going to push the envelope. We're going to throttle your faith. We're going to slack your salvation. See what we can come up with. The Silver Cord. This from the Wikipedia article. The Silver Cord in metaphysical studies and literature refers to the life-giving linkage from the higher self down to the physical body. It also refers to an extended synthesis of this thread and the second that connects the physical body to the etheric body, onwards uh, to the astral body, and finally to the mental body. In other research, it is described as a strong silver-corded elastic cord which joins a person's physical body to his astral body. Um, many people uh, talk about this. The problem, ladies and gentlemen, is the whole silver cord thing comes straight from the Bible. That's where it comes from. Now, that's where its origin is. Now, uh, what just so happens uh, that we uh, have a uh, – well, we have a ex-New Ager in our back pocket. So it's times like these that we understand why the Lord our God at times – well, uh, read the first uh, 11 verses of James. Uh, he's pretty clear to tell you that sometimes that uh, we go through trials and testing. We are slagged, uh, even as silver is refined in a furnace. So we have to realize that sometimes these things happened, past tense, uh, and different members of the ecclesia, the body of Christ, so that the whole may be made complete. So, with that in mind, uh, thank the good Lord for that. And, uh, Joe, uh, jump in here and uh, give us a brief overview of what you know extra-biblically about this uh, supposed silver cord, please. All right. Well, good to be with you guys. Um, good to be with the listeners as well. Uh, silver cord. Um, this was actually discussed quite a bit, um, and if memory serves correct, this was uh, those that would astro, or what they called astro project, or out of body, um, uh, or running around in the spirit realm, sometimes they called it. Uh, myself, personally, I never had uh, experienced that. I, I stayed away. Um, some of the stories were not, uh, well, they were almost terrifying. Uh, some of the experiences and some were sounded pleasant, but at the same time, I just stayed away from it. But, uh, it was, it was, there was, it seemed like there were two different groups. There was one group that was fearless that they basically did not fear death or anything bad happening to them. Um, the other group seemed to be quite cautious and have this understanding that if that silver cord was broken, that they were, well, they were dead. And I remember the two groups would kind of clash at times. And I just, I, I really didn't, uh, I didn't want to test that boundary. So I just uh, observed and, and on that one. But uh, that was, uh, to, to the best of my memory, that was pretty much what we had talked about and discussed in, in those realms. 
Well, did they discuss this being in the Bible at all? Did did they even mention that? No. No. No, I it, it seemed it seemed to be like um this thing that was just known uh historically uh that there was a silver cord that connected you to, you know, I guess what we would call the, you know, in 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 that in 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 the new age uh the ether or the spirit realm or or you know different phrases that they used for it but uh it it seemed to come from uh like i guess new age teachers if you will but uh i i don't have a memory of anyone bringing that out in scripture well, I find that pretty amazing that they never, never, they obviously never had a clue uh, that it came straight from the Bible. So that's that's pretty interesting. I find that pretty neat. But uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, pretty amazing that uh, Joe says this was common knowledge from a very very long time ago. Well, this is just the way it was, and I do know from my study of the matter. Uh, that it is likened to an umbilical cord. It's, it's likened to just that very thing. It, uh, mm. no matter how far you go, um, this the this cord links you back to your body. And once it's severed, well, of course, it's it's now from what I've studied a little bit deeper than that, it's quite flammable, and uh, you don't want that cord interacting with an ignition source because. Well, unfortunately, uh, I want to be very lightly how I put this, but uh, you're talking about spontaneous human combustion. Mm -hmm. If that silver cord uh, goes through a flame or an ignition source, you light up like a firecracker. Um, This ties back, uh, of course, to, well, a couple of other things, but let's get Aaron's opening comments. Aaron, what's your knowledge of the silver cord and uh, your thoughts about it? Uh, just shoot right from the hip. Well, as much as I know is as much as you've told me and already spoken in this show. Um, but, uh, Joe, how how do you sever this cord? Uh, how do you sever it? You mean as far as like what what was discussed or yeah just... yeah like like if like they were very cautious like that one group was very cautious of cutting getting this the silver cord severed what would what would happen to sever this cord um that had to do with what you know um they would call higher spirit beings of upsetting or uh well trespassing into areas that they're not supposed to or should not go um upsetting uh, i you know from my memory like just higher beings is what what we would call or describe them it wasn't the angelics it you know they didn't use that uh phrase but uh higher spiritual beings is what they would call so it seemed that uh, there was one group that was either had interaction with them and it terrified them to that point, and the other one had a, a different interaction that felt that they, you know, that there was no fear. Well, I know this, that I'm sitting here looking at the Wikipedia article, and it comes right out and says it. Um, I didn't realize that, you know, I should have kept reading because down in the origin of the term, uh, the Wikipedia article comes right out and states it. The term is derived from Ecclesiastes 12, 6, and 7. It comes right out and states it. This is where it comes from. Uh, so mm. um, I'm kind of shocked at that, but, you know, I wasn't <laughs> – I didn't really have uh, – I mean, I just used the Wikipedia article for opening uh, comments and for a general uh, description of the things. But but this says it exactly um, the same way. Uh, this is from the book uh, Life After Death uh, by Auckland uh, Theosophical Center. 
Uh, I guess um, this was taken from a page as per the Wikipedia note. It says that uh, it is also interpreted the words of some prophets and soothsayers in ancient times as descriptions of seeing the silver cord during their out-of-body experiences. So here we have a reinforcement of, of what Joe was saying. This is ancient knowledge that will come from <laughs> the Bible. So uh, we probably better uh, get to this uh, text. Um, we probably need to read the entire stanza, which it is the first eight verses if you're going to get the entire thought. Uh, because then it switches over, and uh, well, it's <laughs> it's a very short chapter, uh, and you're expecting uh, these 14 verses to be much like um, Ecclesiastes is his little, and Proverbs. You're expecting it to be these little bursts of information, but uh, this chapter is a very interesting. Uh, Joe, would you like to read Ecclesiastes chapter 12? You got it. One through eight. One through eight, okay. Okay, this will be in the NASB. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light the moon and the stars are darkened, and clouds return after the rain. In the day that the watchmen of the house tremble, and the mighty men stoop, the grinding ones, standing idle because there are few. And look, and those who look through windows grow dim. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low, and one will arise at the sound of the bird, and all the daughters of song will sing softly. Furthermore, men are afraid of, high, of a high place and of tares on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along, and the caperberry is ineffective, for man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Well, some pretty interesting verses there, and there he comes right out and gives you way more information than uh, can possibly be covered in this particular show. Because, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, this is in direct relation to, well, when the moon and the stars and the uh, sun are dimmed, and you should realize that this is a direct reference to the Watchmen. Yes, we're talking about a very particular point in time. Uh, so you can go through here. There's a reason why uh, the Caperberry is mentioned. He's literally telling you some physical effects that's going to be going on. And this this knowledge is vast that, that, that he gives you. Put into its proper exegesis, which is quite, quite extreme, by the way. You're literally given, uh, well, the code to what to expect during the end times. Now, he literally came around and told you just a fantastic amount of data here. Uh, even from the almond tree blossoming, he's literally giving you keys. Uh, that once those keys are inserted into the Bible, God's holy word, uh, with the Hebrew and the Greek, it's much like turning the two keys that are needed for simultaneous turning uh, for a, well, aboard a nuclear submarine or in a missile silo. Everyone knows that you have to have two keys that are simultaneously turned at once to activate and to unlock the ignition sequence. Believe me, every data point that he gave here is literally 
another one of those keys. You can literally see what he's going to do physically with the laws of physics in the future. He just come right out and told you. So, Aaron, what's your initial thoughts on, you know, these... Boy, this is a... Well, it, it states some very interesting things, this, this, this silver cord and uh, the pitcher that is going to be, uh, well, it's crushed, the golden bowl. What's your, what's your thoughts about those verses that Joe read? Well, I mean, uh, first of all, uh, the cistern, um, verse six says, or the wheel broken at the cistern, um, the word for cistern is actually pit, as in um, the underworld pit. So um, this this uh, wheel broken at this at the pit. I'm, I'm not sure how you wanna how you wanna interpret this this wheel, but I know in angelology there is some something. There's a angelic order known as the Gilgalim, and that's um, that's this word for wheel is Gilgal. Um, that I do know, and I can see that in the this this very strange word in the KJV is translated into to heaven. It can also mean a whirlwind or dust. So. What's your thoughts? This is my thought. Um, I already come out really and told you, but well, I was weighing what I said. This is the verse in question. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. Literally, you and I have talked about this before. And literally, he just came out and said it. Um, yes, there is one particular archangel that uh, Aaron uh, has pretty much determined uh, in his translating of the Book of Enoch, which angel this most probably is. Uh, so, Aaron, why don't you take a, a gamble at that, uh, discuss that simple fact that what we're talking about here is... Well, there are also seven compartments in the earth, or seven types of earth, seven places of the earth, even as there's seven heavens. And this pit is one of them. And here you were just literally told, now you know when this list that is given to you in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, when it's going to happen. As I stated before, I did so very lightly, and I calculated my words very carefully, but now I've just presented them unto you on a silver platter, Aaron. So, if you want my thoughts on that, I just gave it to you. Uh, that this is a key uh, more likened into a tumbler in, in ancient times. And, uh, well, literally, literally that's that's when this is going to happen, the same window of opportunity when the pit is unlocked and opened and those entities are allowed to, well, ascend uh, this terrestrial ladder. I did not say heavenly. I said terrestrial. So uh, everybody's heard me say this many times before that when we talk about this geophysically, this planet, its magnetic field is off of the sun's magnetic field by 23.4 degrees. Everybody knows that. If you line up our magnetic field with the sun's magnetic field, it will unlock this uh, electromagnetic gravity well that at present time has no escape because there's two exit points, two interest points. You have uh, two north poles and to South Poles, magnetically speaking. So, that is my reply, that is my answer, in as simple a terms as, as, as I can present it, because I just was quite simply unprepared to go here. I read those, I really didn't 
want that particular verse magnified upon, but whether we like it or not, Aaron, he did just mention the pit. You don't have to like it. I mean, God does this too with us with the Ten Commandments. You don't have to like them. I mean, if you're going to excel, especially in the business world, uh, you're most certainly going to have to lie. You're going to have to bear false witness. You, you have to in order to succeed. Uh, so, I mean, God does this to us all. I mean, 90% of what he says is not what you want to hear. So this is just another occurrence of that particular topic. So uh, I guess you two need to uh, respond to my comments, um, you know, like it or not. Uh, you know, if you don't like it, say so. Uh, if you do like it, if it's acceptable to you, say so. Uh, but that's where I stand, and I stand there for uh, very good reasons. I'm not going to – like I said, I've, I've stated it as lightly as I can without getting into the Hebrew and the Greek and taking us on a <laughs> – well, an escapade through God's word, uh, which would be <laughs> a series into itself. So your replies, I guess, Aaron, go first, and then Joe, what's, what's your thoughts comments on that? Well, here the exact verse in um, Ecclesiastes it says the the wheel broken at the pit. So is this talking about the whatever is this wheel or something? Whatever is whatever is sealing the abyss at the moment. The mouth of the abyss covering it? Yes. Like, I guess. like I stated, let me explain it like this. In order for this to be opened, our magnetic field must go up to the same inclination as our sun. Okay? Imagine you have two compasses right next to each other, and the two compasses are pointing two different directions. You can't escape. This creates a prison. Once you rotate our core up to the same place as the sun, which is at a right angle to the ecliptic, it will unlock this pit, will unlock this prison, and they will be able to go in the South Pole, exit the North Pole, vice versa, however you'd like to look at it or put it. It will create uh, a means uh, of escape. Just like that verse in Revelation I read to you, it'll once you rotate it up, just like the key in a tumbler. Uh, well, well, well. This word for wheel is Gilgal, and it comes from it is H one five thirty four, and it comes from H one five five six, and it means Gilgal to roll. Galal. So, right. so this is so this is talking about. The rather than a wheel, it's actually talking about the the rotation of the Earth. That well, son, that that's what I said. That it, once once it's yes, son, that's that's what I meant. Uh, you're saying it in a different way. That's exactly what I meant. Um, maybe Joe can put this in better language uh, for everybody. You know, and a lot of people have a problem with me because I use very difficult language, but. That's why I said what I said, son, is because that is what the Hebrew says. That's what it means, and God doesn't like to play around when when he means something. Um, that that That's what he said, and he literally just come out and told you that <laughs> when this part of the earth rotates up like a key inside of a tumbler, when it does that, when it is stood up, other verses in the scripture says – that's when these events are going to take place. And, uh, well, it's going to be a wild ride. Uh, so, Joe, your thoughts and comments, maybe you can use better language than I am. Um, your thoughts and comments, please. Oh, goodness. Uh, what I have going on in my head is, uh, what I can see is, a shaft. Um, if you picture just it, just a, a hollow shaft having a beginning and an end, you know whatever measurement you would like to give that. But in the middle there is a round 
sphere. Now, it has a shaft through it as well. Now, I've had different experiences with this as far as uh, different bearings or uh, different things where maybe it's round inside of a shaft and you're trying to get the bolt to go through it, but you have to have everything lined up for the bolt to go through the the round part as well as the, the shaft itself that's, that's uh, holding everything together. So likened into, if you can picture that into your mind of this little round guy inside of this shaft or this area, it's right now it's turned so that basically if you were going to put a bolt through, you couldn't. So you have no entrance or no exit or it, it stops. Whatever's inside of that is held. So if you were to rotate everything up to a zero degree axis, then that little ball that's inside the shaft that has the same size hole in it as it rotates up, well, then you now have an entrance and an exit. You have a straight through. Right. Is that, is that helpful or... Oh yeah, especially when dealing uh well with automobiles. Uh yes. <laughs> Trying to line up uh holes to get a bolt through multiple uh armatures and uh apparatuses can be very tricky indeed. So yes, that's a perfect that that's exactly what I was trying to to say. Um so Aaron, that was perfect that you brought in what that, that Hebrew actually says because that's why I said what I said, and, and I just wasn't using – well, sometimes it's very difficult, man. I mean a lot of people complain that I go way too deep. I'm way over their head, and then other people complain, well, you didn't explain it enough. So <laughs> normally I'm just left in some kind of conundrum, uh, but Aaron uh, – Thanks for bringing in the Hebrew there and letting everybody know that that means to rotate. It 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 means to revolve. And he's literally saying when this is rotated up, uh, it's going to well, just like I said, it's it's like a key being turned inside a tumbler. Once it's aligned, all of the jagged edges come perfectly into alignment, and boom, it opens something that nobody was expecting. Um. So, boy, we've covered a whole lot of distance so far, a lot of technical aspects about this. Uh, Aaron, do you have further uh, commentary on what this could possibly be talking about? No, not the – I mean, this makes plenty of sense to me. The, the Really, what this is saying is in this translation, or when the rotation is broken at – the pit. So I, I would concur. Or when it's repaired. I mean, I don't know which way you want to want to say that, but yeah. When well, I mean, like it, the word it, for broken is reset. It means to break in pieces. Right. Right. Which, which literally is the, or figuratively. Well, it's the only way to how you come out of a cage. It's it's the only, you have to open it, right? So, yeah, when the seal is broken. Uh, we can all understand that. Uh, but yeah, literally, this is perfect, ladies and gentlemen. How do you state what's going to happen mechanically when the beast from the abyss is unleashed upon us? How do you describe what's going to happen? Ladies and gentlemen, you are using a language which God has stolen the, the, the vowels from. And we're talking about most words are three letters, and you have no idea how to pronounce it. It's just three consonants. You, you can't do that. God is using that language to interpret to you that, by the way, your sun has a geomagnetic north and south pole. That is not aligned with the Earth's. So the greater magnetic field in this solar system is, of course, the sun's. And it's not aligned with the Earth's. When those two come into alignment, things are going to happen. So yes, you'd have to use the word to break. As in the bonds will be broken, as in the chains will be broken, as in the the prison doors will be opened. How do you relate it? You have to do that using language on the order of at least 4,000 years old. How do you do that? And God just did it perfectly using a prophetic 
language. Because once he took the vows from you and then promised in the prophets that he was going to one day give you a pure language, well, everything was – well, that engaged quite a lot of things altogether. So it, it creates the perfect window of opportunity for him to relay unto you not only highly technical, geophysical information. It allows him to relay to you quite prophetic information on the same breath. So it's, it's really pretty mind-boggling cool. I mean it really is cool. It really is exciting. It really should get people to get into God's Word. It should make them excited. It should make them burn for more, hungry, thirsty, however you want to put it. Now, that's what these things should do, and that's what God just did. Uh, unfortunately, uh, well, <laughs> the New Agers are obviously more familiar with it than most Christians are today, which is too bad. Uh, but, um, Aaron, uh, where else do you see this going in Ecclesiastes? We we had talked uh, before we went on air about some other uh, things, some other verses. Uh, can you talk about those, please? And the ones about Solomon? Solomon, indeed. Well, before we get there, I want to I want to um, talk about something in the same chapter we're talking about, Ecclesiastes verse 5, where it talks about the grasshopper will be a burden. The word for grasshopper is H2284. And it's, I know what a lot of you may be thinking is the grasshoppers that come out of the abyss or the locusts, it's not the same word. Um, but it is the same word as numbers. 1333. There we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which some of the giants were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were in their sight. What do you think about that? Joe, uh, you take the first swing at this one. Okay. Um, as far as, let's go back, grasshoppers here. Uh, I was kind of looking there. Um, let's see. Well, uh, the grasshopper drags himself along or becomes a burden. Um, goodness, this this also reminds me of well the iron and the clay, and well he says that they will not cleave one to another. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things that. Yeah, I think we I think we need to talk about um just because there's well there's a lot of talk of of the return of the Nephilim. But here, you know, it, you you went back uh and and looked at where it's uh the same thing with the giants, the same phrasing. Wow. Um, it just brings a lot of things to thought. Well, um, I would have to state that that is the perfect place uh, for God to put it uh, in that verse there in Numbers. He is taking you straight to the crux of the matter. Um, unfortunately, he's taking you right to the crux of the matter. Um, but I will say this. I, I don't know why. Aaron said that as of different uh, – uh, well, he, he he stated that this was not the word for locust used. In Revelation chapter 9, he was obviously not uh, looking – he was obviously not consulting the Septuagint or the Adidorogia because that is exactly what this word is. Uh, Arcus. So we're going to have to get some back and forth with Aaron – uh, Aaron, why did you state uh, that this uh, word here in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 5, was of different uh, different word than what is used uh, there in uh, Revelation chapter 9, verse 7? Why why did you say that? Was you talking about the Hebrew? It's a different Hebrew word? The Hebrew. Okay. 
right, very good, very good, very good. Well, one thing is for sure, that in that instance, okay, the Hebrew cannot use uh, the correct term uh, because, well, you already stated it, that you'd have to be talking about the fallen. And Job made himself pretty clear. Uh, no, God makes himself pretty clear that their seed would not cling. That is particularly chromosomal cohesion. It ain't going to happen. It's not happening. Forget about it. However, um, we do have to realize that this is exactly uh, what, well, the fallen thought of us. Uh, they did not love their own wives. How was they going to love the rest of humanity, and people really can't come to grips with this. Your worst horror movie, that's not anything. You have no idea what it's going to be like to be in the presence and the power of angels that have been locked up for 6,000 years. They come out quite psychotic. It is their first instinct to slaughter you. And of course, that's the first thing they're told they can't do. They're only told that they can inflict you with discomfort for five months. They're not permitted to kill you. So, ladies and gentlemen, just you just have to come to grips with that. But at any rate, this is how they look at humanity. They do regard us. They don't even look at us as animals. They don't have compassion on us as you would your dog. They literally look at us like hyper-breeding insects. Without intelligence, uh, just the great capacity to breed and breed and breed and breed. Uh, so, uh, Aaron, uh, your reflections on that, uh, the simple fact that this is my opinion, that, that this is literally how they look at us. Because it's quite clear in the scripture they did not love even their wives. Uh, the only thing they really had any desire for was for the earthborn that they produced. So your 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 thoughts on that? Uh, do you think that uh, this is along the right lines or not? Yeah, I'd say so. Here it's talking as a them being as a burden. Joe, your thoughts on on what you on your comments or yes, my comments. Um, you know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've thought about the same thing long and hard and, uh, you know, being locked away for that long as well as having to, you know, the only thing that they did care about was their offspring and they had to watch them perish in the flood. So, uh, yeah, coupled with everything else that you just said, I, I completely agree that, yeah, they're. We'll note, here, we'll note here in verse 5, it says, and desire shall fail. That's right. It, it says, and desire shall fail. Well, m maybe we should re-clarify. Re Which verse 5, Aaron, you're talking about Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 5? Yeah, your uh, translation might right. might say uh, Caperberry. Right. I'm right. looking at uh, the W.E.B. All right, so read it to us in that version. It says, Yes, they shall be afraid of heights, and the terror will be in the way. And the almond tree shall blossom, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goes to his everlasting home, and the mourners go about the streets. Which is a very different uh, translation, which, ladies and gentlemen, this is where you need to take this to the bank. This one singular verse, you look at it in Hebrew, do a retranslation of it. Look at it in the Septuagint, do a retranslation of it. You're going to quickly realize that uh, why both the prophetic language of Hebrew and the exacting language of Koinonia Greek must be used to deliver all the information that God's just trying to give you just in one verse. Because he is literally blowing your mind. We haven't even talked about the alphanumerics in these just just in this one verse. Uh, he's he's saying things that's way beyond your capacity to understand in one language. I mean, prophetically speaking, uh, if he was to come upon one who had the gift of tongues, he could literally uh, tell you this <sighs> using a hundred different languages and not be able to deliver enough information. 
it's just enough to blow your mind. Uh, the simple fact that he refers to well, let's talk about this. Aaron, let's let's come to grips with this. Let's let the rubber hit the road. Are we going to see fallen angels produce earthborn again in the end times? Are we going to see that? Your opinion? Uh, yes, but not the same as the ones in the abyss. The ones in the abyss have turned to iron. From, from my studies, I, I don't know if we've talked about this on any shows, but um, from my studies, the um, once they become iron, the uh, <laughs> should should I really go into depth with this? Do we have time? You know, Aaron. Uh, you know, just just let the Holy Spirit lead you. Just when you're done, you're done. All right. That's how your daddy's done. Just go until the Holy Spirit tells you to shut up and shut down, and that'll be good. So, go ahead. Okay, well, um, we did some studies on what makes uh, what makes a star burn. And we know the angels are um, likened to stars. Well, stars burn um, by something called, um, uh, I think this is, trying to look for the right word. It's nuclear fusion, so um, this is fusing uh, hydrogen molecules together. So, um, theoretically, angels are made of hydrogen, and they burn or have the fire, as the Bible says, that they're made of flaming fire. Um, they are um, the... The hydrogen molecules are the smallest. They are, they would be number one on your periodic table because they have um, only one electron and one proton. And um, they are the smallest uh, element there is to break down, the simplest element there is. And that's why the stars are made out of hydrogen. And um, under after, under nuclear fusion, they um, all the hydrogen molecules smash together uh, um, under a lot of pressure and gravity, and they uh, produce hydrogen, the second one. And then they continue to fuse, and um, eventually down along the line, they can turn into carbon. And we being carbon-based life forms, I believe, once this is really what happens. Um, when an angel descends to Earth, um, they are taken away from whatever high hydrogen um, content is in the highest heaven where God, the Father, is. That's where they have to report. Job says that the, there's a certain day where angels have to report to the Father's throne room. And to present themselves, this is how they become rejuvenated, how they um, don't burn out. And I'm going to get to how they can burn out. Um, when they descend out of heaven and do not return, they eventually, um, I don't know if the word is degrade, but they eventually become a carbon um, life form through, the, through this fusion. And um, I think since all creatures on Earth are carbon-based life forms, this is how they were able to um, uh, intermingle with um, humans and, and such. And that was how they were able to produce children. But when they were uh, eventually degraded, they had to continue to degrade. And um, stars, it is according to scientific theory, that once a star um, burns to um, iron, when it degrades to iron, um, the star explodes or dies. Um, and an angel, we know that is an absolute, that's a fallen being. And um, Enoch talks about angels um, die, can die in a sense. And this is what, um, this is what these fallen angels trapped in the abyss are. Those trapped in the abyss are 
dead angels. They are made of iron. And this is what Daniel is talking about. Um, Daniel chapter, which, which the iron shall not cleave to the clay. Dad, do you remember that from the top of your head? Uh, yes, that is a Daniel chapter 2, of course. Um, it, it is in the entire diatribe about the, uh, well, the iron and the clay, uh, but uh, yes, it's uh, Daniel chapter 2 in the view of the, uh, the future kingdoms that would be set up um, uh, just for a, uh, you know, retake of that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's, it's all over the scripture that he plainly comes out and he talks about this, that the iron would not cleave to the clay as it was mingled together. Uh, he states this mitre of faculty in uh, Daniel chapter 2 and verse 48. Um, anyway, a lot is discussed there, and uh, yes, that's, that's where it's at. And uh, this iron being mingled uh, with clay, uh, he states emphatically that, well, it won't cleave one into another. Uh, so exactly, that, and that's what's once they the that's why I'm saying um it can it is it is possible for angels in the last days to do this, but not the ones who have been trapped in the abyss because they are iron, they cannot cleave because they um like I previously mentioned, they waited while they were on the earth, they waited for the, their bodies to produce carbon and to become carbon entities and that they could um this they they could uh, mingle with with humans and um, that's what made the right. production of offspring possible. Right. right. Let, but I think, but I think uh, Satan's angels who will fall, the one third of the host of heaven that will fall, um, the uh, time given as in uh, Revelation chapter six it says the stars um, at the, at the um, the fifth seal, uh, sixth seal, sorry, um, the stars of heaven will fall. Um, this, um, so Satan's angels could definitely um, do this, but not, um, but not the not Azazel and his his host that are trapped in the abyss. Well, you gave a pretty good example, but yes, ladies and gentlemen, iron is the ultimate poison to a star. Once you go down this chain, and you heard my son describe it, the helium goes to hydrogen and so forth. Literally speaking, those that are already in the abyss have entered into their last state, the iron, and the iron cannot mingle. So literally, it is encoded here. <sighs> Boy, you talk about this being a good push in the envelope because I had no intention of sharing this. Literally, he's saying that the angels that come up out of the abyss, they cannot. Uh, they have degraded to the point of being iron. But the ones that have just been defeated by the archangel Michael, they cannot go back up to their helium state, <laughs> to their hydrogen state. They can't go back up the ladder of the physical process. Yes, it would be possible for those angels that have fallen, not the ones that have exited the abyss, but the ones that have fallen, uh, the one-third that are drug to the earth via Satan, they could certainly produce offspring. Man, I really didn't want to talk about that. I really didn't. Um, Aaron, so in your opinion, do you think that they will come here uh, off of Jacob's ladder once they've been defeated by Michael? Do you think they will begin raping and pillaging and whoring? What's your thoughts? Well, let me find the verse. Give me a minute. A minute you shall be given. You know, we're... Wow. Uh, we're really pushing the envelope. Whose idea was this? I'm going to have to blame Joe. Joe, was this your uh, was this your idea, the silver cord? I think... Uh, yeah, yeah. Really? Really? No, I don't know. <laughs> No, I'll take the blame. <laughs> All right. Well, what's your thoughts on this so far? Because you haven't heard me talk about this publicly. You've heard me state emphatically that the ones from before was not going to be able because it was made of iron. But my son just spilled to the entire world 
uh, our private conversations, the simple fact that, well, prophetically, he's talking about the fall of a star into a supernova, and it's really quite clear what the angels were physically doing. So uh, now that my son spilled the beans to the entire world, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, goodness. Um, you know, I... I had thought about that for for quite a while, uh, you know, in, especially in, in Daniel uh, two forty two. Um, it, it it seems like they would almost want to attempt something like that again um, from from the English, you know. Let's just say, um, but it's not possible. Uh, it says, you know, in the seat of men, but they will not adhere to one another. Even this iron does not combine with pottery. Um, you know, as far as the the ones that were just cast down, um, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if that would be yeah, – I, I know, you know, I, I don't think they're going to be – to say – to say that they're not going to be happy is is a gross understatement, but you know I I don't off the top of my head I I don't know if that would be uh, their attempt. But uh, if Aaron has the verse, Aaron give it to yeah, you. Yeah, here, here right. Isaiah thirteen three. Um, I'm reading uh-huh. from Britain Septuagint. Uh-huh. It yeah. says, "I give command and I bring them." Giants are coming to fulfill my wrath, rejoicing at the same time and insulting. Now, now, wait a minute. Now, that could be saying the ones in the abyss are coming. Yes or no? Could say that. Okay, so we're open-armed about this, right? And by the way, oh yes, Isaiah chapter 13, certainly. And read it one more time for us. Go, go, go ahead, read it one more time. Pretty please read it for us one more time. What was that? The verse in Isaiah 13. Read it for us one more time. I give command and I bring them. The giants are coming to fulfill my wrath, rejoicing at the same time and insulting. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand what he was talking about. That is Satan sweeping one-third of the fallen or the angels out of the heavens. That's who's speaking here. Is 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 you know Satan? Um, this is his agent uh, provocateur, uh, the Assyrian false prophet, uh, when he tramples down the host of heaven. So, just so everybody knows, just so everybody realizes what exactly this is stating. So, um, Joe is under the impression that no, the fallen are not going to mate and do this again. This is the ones that's from the abyss, the, the giants that's already exist. That when they come up out of the abyss, that's what he's talking about. And Aaron is open-ended on that point. Well, if you um, um, were to listen to um, a show I did on Christian conspiracy theory about um, the the false uh, prophet or the um, the false Christ generally mm-hmm. known nowadays as the Antichrist, um, I hammered out how genetically that could be possible. How um, with this, this opposite of Christ could could um, be uh, birthed through the um, through uh, well, I, I guess I sh- shouldn't go into it. You guys can listen to it yourselves. But, no, um, I, I... I have listened to that one, and it was uh, – there was the possibility of of mixing the genetics of of, of the – well, uh, the angelic and, uh, and human uh, to create this one, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, on, on that uh, yeah. particular show. Uh, that they had kind of found, uh, well, I guess there was a possibility of a loophole um, as far as the laws. Is, is Am I correct on that so far? Or a possibility, at least in the way of doing that? Yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's only in theory. We can't, we can't test it because we don't have, you know, angelic DNA with us. But um, what... 
by studying the um by the Punnett squares the um I I came to a conclusion that um this uh false Christ could achieve um an angelic uh phenotype um for you those of you who don't know what a phenotype is um look it up and you'll find it um that is kind of your uh x y x x determines your gender um or identity um we know that 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 is produced by um uh through uh sexual reproduction and uh we know that since Christ uh, theoretically Christ since he was not born by sexual reproduction um he would have had an xx uh phenotype like his mother um Mary rather than xy as most males do and um if and i hammered out in that show about how um angels may have uh a y uh two of the same as the same just like xx it's it's an ss so it would be kind of feminine in in nature and um how through um interbreeding the this genetic false christ could be produced as as an ss um as in a as opposed to an xx that christ and um so i think um i think uh, Daniel chapter 11 that's what what it's talking about is talking about the you know the the daughter of women quote unquote or the um or the queen of the south what's really being fought over is this uh this uh, this new breed at this inter interbred um false christ and that's what this uh uh, false prophet or the beast from the earth in the book of Revelation is going to be. Well, I mean, what you're really stating there is the key to verse 8. Okay? Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. Um, <laughs> well, uh, these first eight verses of the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes will blow your mind. Um Joe, your comments on what my son just shared, uh, if you have the words to do so. No, that that makes uh, that that makes perfect sense. Um, you know, uh, I, I did get to listen to that show uh, uh, a few times actually uh, that you guys did on that. So I, I'm if I you know I would definitely. Uh, you might want to plug that one more time, Aaron, just for to have so people have the background on what you're talking about, and that will actually shed quite a bit of light on what you just said. You you kind of gave a a brief overview, but yeah, if, ladies and gentlemen, if you get a chance to, well, I shouldn't say if you get, you should make the time and listen to that episode. It's it's uh, it, it will uh, well, it'll blow your mind. And, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you might want to go and, and realize that the Bible was talking about uh, angels when it mentioned stars and vice versa. Because, yes, this is exactly what happens. This is why, uh, well, the book of Daniel, and, and just go on and on and on if you'd like to. It really doesn't matter. This is why they are called to be of iron. Because this is exactly, once iron is produced in a star, it goes supernova. It dies. Uh, so mechanically, that's talking about a whole lot, uh, and it's absolutely enough to blow your mind. But, uh, wow. Um, you know what, I'm going to have to say this, that I'm going to have to, you know, full throttled faith. Amen? Mm. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's read the last nine verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 12 for, uh, closing comment. Now listen, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you better riddle this unto yourself because we simply haven't the time to do so for you. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 12, starting in the last stanza, verse 9. In addition to being a wise man, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, and he pondered, searched out, and arranged many proverbs. The preacher sought to find delightful words and to write the words of truth correctly. What an interesting way to put that. I'm sorry for the interruption there. Verse 11. The words of the wise men are like goads, and masters of these collections are like well-driven nails. Ah, oh, yes. Kind of like building an ark, I would say. Like well-driven nails. Amen. Amen. They are given by one shepherd. But beyond this, my son, be warned. The writing of many books is endless and excessive. Devotion to books is wearying to the body. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment. And everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Oh my goodness, if you had any idea what he's saying in the Quite the Greek and the Hebrew here. <laughs> He's saying a whole lot more than you can fathom. Uh, just, wow. Uh, wow. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate the English version that I've read. The New American Standard Bible is very good, but, uh, oh, you have no idea <laughs> what it's actually stating. Uh, there's so much more there than, than what your ears heard. Uh, you know, verse 12, but beyond this, <laughs> the, the the entire phraseology is just uh, it's pretty cool. So we're going to have to go for closing comments. Um, uh, Joe, your uh, your closing comments, please, and uh, how the listener can get a hold of you and your stuff. All right, uh, closing comments. Um, good stuff. Uh, I really had an absolute blast tonight um, going through this. And, I, of course, uh, well, I, I love that he has the reins. And where this started out and where it ended uh, and the revealings, well, it's it's his timing. And it was a beautiful time. So I was just... Uh, as always, just honored to just be a part. Uh, where you can find me is uh, on, uh, well, let's see, uh, email, what for, W-H-A-T-F-O-R, numeral 401 at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook, you can find me there at uh, Joe Musidla, last name is M-U-Z-Y-D-L-A dot nine, and J Musidla on Twitter. And Aaron, your closing comments, please. It wasn't where I thought we'd go, but <laughs> well, not what I had in mind. But uh, like what Joe said, what the Lord had in mind, so uh, his will be done. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool talking about all this stuff. Obviously, we didn't have enough time to talk about a lot of the things or explain, so... Um, I'm, I'm going to leave it to my dad to give the information of where to get a hold of um, this Christian conspiracy theory about the false prophet and about the, um, uh, I don't even think we talked about the angel thing, um, but uh, the one with the false prophet. And, uh, well, that's what I got to say. Uh, God bless. It was awesome talking with you guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get a hold of our stuff, uh, well, there's so many different ways. Just search the End Time Tribune. You'll find it. Search according to the scripture. You'll find it. Uh, but uh, uh, one of the best ways to get some of the stuff that uh, the Christian conspiracy theories now, because they're not for public consumption, is uh, at the Patreon. You can go to Patreon, uh, Matthew Miller 49. That's also the handle on both Tumblr and the Twitter 
and you'll be able to get uh, the newest of the Christian Conspiracy Theory, which we just did the Heavenly Seven. We're going to be doing the Celestial Seven tomorrow, uh, covering the intimate details. No holds barred. We're going to be completely blowing the doors off these subjects. So, uh, like I said, um, the Patreon uh, is Matthew Miller 49 uh, as well as the Tumblr and Twitter accounts. So, if you want to find me, uh, look it up that way. But uh, we also have the According to the Scripture YouTube channel. Uh, we've made it very easy. Uh, just go to the YouTube channel and uh, click on the playlist. And on the playlist, uh, you will get the uh, the first uh, 17 Christian conspiracy theories for free. Uh, but that is just where it begins. Uh, we do uh, Celestial Somology. Uh, we do the End Time Tribune. Uh, we started doing Remembrancers. Uh, me and my wife even does uh, Small Talk. Uh, this is going to be, uh, this particular program is going to be pushing the envelope. Um, do extreme exegesis, uh, all kinds of stuff you can get there. So uh, just go to the YouTube channel, according to the scripture, and uh, click on the playlist, and you'll see uh, a lot of stuff. But the new stuff, especially uh, uh, for Christian conspiracy theory, that's only going to be available on the Patreon account. So um, uh, look for uh, stuff there. We've already got two uh, Christian conspiracy theories that no one has heard yet because they're available only through the Patreon. So, uh, mind-blowing stuff there, but yeah, from here on out, boys and girls, no holds barred. The Bible unbound. I'll give it to you. Point-blank range, white square in the chest. Both barrels. Don't have a problem with it. If you don't have a hint, you better get a clue. You don't really have enough time for that anymore. You can take that to the bank. So, with that in mind, uh, Joe is going to uh, take us out in prayer. So, Joe, why don't you pray us out of here, buddy? Heavenly Father, we bow our heads. We bow our hearts before your throne. Father, first I just want to tell you I love you. And I want to thank you for... This evening, Father, of allowing us to dive into your word. And I don't have the words, Father, to the appreciation of the time that I get to spend with my brothers and spending time with you. I don't have the words to tell you how much that means to me. Father, I ask that you, that you watch over my brothers and their families, Father. Father, I ask that you, uh, Father, I ask that you be with those that are suffering, the homeless, Father, the drug addicts, the prostitutes, Father. Father, I, so much to think about and so much to pray for that I can be overwhelmed. So I ask that you search my heart, Father, and I ask that you search our hearts, and I ask that you be with the listeners as well, and guide them and protect them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, hallelujah. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed.